Hello and welcome to Connected, episode 313. It's made possible this week by our sponsors, Ahrefs, Storyworth, and Riedel. My name is Stephen Hackett, and I am joined by Mr. Mike Hurley. Hello. Howdy. How are you? Good. We're also joined by Mr. Federico Vitici. Hi. Hello. Hello, hello. How are you guys? Oh, uh, good. Tired, but good. I can imagine. Very tired. It was a big week for you guys last week. Yeah, hey, you were a big part of it, man. So uh, we're recording this just a handful of days after our podcastathon, podcastathon two, as it was uh, as it was named. A well ended up being an almost seven hour live show. Uh, Mike and I hosted with a bunch of awesome relay people, including Federico and a whole bunch of other hosts. So again, thank you to everyone on the network who came uh, came on the show. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we raised just a ton of money. Uh, we raised basically twice what we did during the podcastathon last year. And as I record this, we are at three hundred and forty-five thousand dollars for the month, which, like, y'all, that's amazing. It, it, I, there were several times during the podcastathon where. Uh, on my laptop, I had like the back end of the donation platform. I was like, that, like, it is moving so fast. Like, every time I glance over, all the names are new because people were just donating and donating. So, thank you so much. Uh, if you haven't seen the podcastathon or you had to duck out for a little while, which is totally understandable because it's six and a half hours long, uh, it is on the Relay FM YouTube channel. So, we got that uploaded there. Um, and, it, you know, I think it's definitely worth watching. Mike, you said on Upgrade that the last 90 minutes is kind of the, uh, if you're going to watch any of it, do that. And I agree. I think it yeah. was uh, I think it was all really good. I was really ha- proud of how it came out. But, you know, by the end of it, we're a little loopy. It's really late for Mike, so it was fun to uh, sort of unwind a little bit as uh, the time went on. And if you are a monster, you can listen to 418 minutes of the audio version as well, which I'll put in the show notes. But yeah. I think if you do that, you really are an incredible monster of a person mm-hmm. uh, to want to listen to to what was a live video stream just in audio form. It, yeah, uh, we put it there just to do it. Uh, we don't expect many people to no. to listen to that. It's merely there of record, mm-hmm. uh, but that's that's about it. Yeah, I think also Departures has one of my favorite show art designs on the whole network well, didn't you do that one i uh, feel like that uh i think maybe frank and i shared it i was definitely involved but i just i love the way it came out and we don't get to right. use it very much <laughs> but uh especially this year because we've had well we would no we, i know it would have been used more uh but it's the live show feed which you know <laughs> there aren't a lot of those at the moment I'll point people to this coming Sunday's Mac Power Users in the member section at the end of the show. Uh, Dave and I talked about the technical aspects of how the show and stream went together. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'll say here publicly again, thank you to everyone at St. Jude and Alsac who helped pull it together. We jumped through a lot of hoops for me to be on campus safely, everyone to be there following all the city and county rules in addition to St. Jude's uh, regulations and uh, that was all totally worth it. It was so great to be uh, in that studio to host the show. It, I was sad. I was, I didn't say this on um, on Friday, Mike, because I didn't want to bum you out. But like, I was genuinely sad. Like, I was like in the green room, like by myself. Last year it was both mm-hmm. of us, and Mary and Adina were there. It's like mm-hmm. I'm just here by myself. Like, there's, I mean, Mary couldn't even come with me. It was just me and a handful of people, way smaller production crew than last year. Uh, because of the pandemic but it was really special to be there and uh, if you haven't given yet there's still time we're we're fundraising throughout the end of the month 
stjude.org slash relay is where you want to go. Now, we do have a couple of upcoming events. So on Friday at uh, at noon Eastern, Mike and I will be in a little competition drawing Relay FM show artwork from memory. So we're going to have a, a show picked randomly, and then we have to draw or sketch the show art, and then we will grade how we did. So that should be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I, D- Stephen didn't mention it during the show, and, well, because I, I said beforehand, like, I I really didn't want to focus on the fact that we weren't going to be together, right? Like, I feel like it was something that was worth just celebrating for what it was and not commiserating for what it would have been. Yeah. And I think that we did a good job. Me too. I definitely wouldn't have had a gazebo uh, at St. Jude. <laughs> So. Well, I say you wouldn't own a gazebo. We could have had one, but you wouldn't own a gazebo. I now own one, yeah. <laughs> and also, I will say, the cleanup of the six to 700 balloons was incredibly fun. Uh, I just got a, a poster tube, you know what you like, you put a poster on, and I stuck some needles on the end of it, like sewing needles, just went to town. It was fantastic. I, I had a great time. I actually put that on my Instagram. I'll, I'll put that in the show notes, too, if people want to see what it looks like for... Uh, 600 balloons to be popped. That's awesome. But Stephen, tell people why they should be still continuing to donate during September. Oh, there's there's so many good reasons. I want to talk a little bit about the impact St. Jude has had over its 50-plus year history. So when St. Jude got started here in Memphis, I'm like, you should go read the history of it. It's actually really fascinating. But when they started, very little attention, very few resources were given to dealing with uh, childhood cancer, pediatric cancer. During its history, St. Jude has really moved the needle in a meaningful way. So when they started, the survival rate for childhood cancer was about 20%. And today, 50-something years later, it is over 80%. That's within a lifetime, right? Like that's what the, I mean, (laughs) that is amazing progress and it is really impressive to think about in what is relatively a short period of time, how far it has come. And St. Jude is not stopping. You know, there's this saying from the founder, Danny Thomas, it's all over the hospital. It says, no child should die in the dawn of life. And that is what St. Jude is, like all of their effort, all of this, all these resources, all the research, it's all bent towards that goal. And it's only possible by people donating. So not only are they bringing that number closer and closer to zero, but they're doing so by caring for families and patients and taking care of all the bills for them. No family is charged a dime for St. Jude treatment or costs associated with it, travel, uh, meals, housing, all of that stuff. So again, that's only possible thanks to y'all. So stjude.org slash relay, definitely go give and uh, we would really appreciate it. So I got a uh, iPad mini for the podcast of thumb. Yes. Uh, because I wanted to have uh, an iPad to uh, a screen to watch the stream um, as it was live, and it was it worked perfectly for the job that I bought it for. Uh, I was very happy with the purchase. I got a little smart cover for it and stood it up on my little video table, and it was perfect. Right, like it gave me a dedicated screen to just see what the stream was doing, so I could make sure that everything looked fine from my end. Um, and I just wanted to follow up with some little thoughts, my, my impressions of using an iPad mini again. Uh, I think that, no, I think it is super nice to have something that can do what an iPad can do, but in a form factor that you can hold in one hand, mm-hmm. right? Like you, you can have your entire hand around it. Um, 
it was kind of funny because when uh, there was an ep- the episode of Adapt that you did, Federico, where you were telling Brian about your experiences of using an yeah. iPad Mini again, you were talking about how like it was very it was like oh it's super thin it's super light that kind of stuff and i was thinking to myself but like it's the ipad pro is thinner like it is that weirdly enough it's a thing that a lot of people forget and it's easier to forget but the ipad pro is thinner than the ipad mini but you don't it doesn't feel like that when you're holding it and and it's the weight that's the thing that i've come down on the thing that makes the biggest difference it's not the physical size it's not the thinness for me it's the weight in that you can hold any iPad in one hand, but it's not comfortable <laughs> for long periods of time. But the iPad mini is very, very easy and comfortable to hold in one hand because you can grip it very well, because you can get most of your hand around the device to support it. And then it's also super light. Um, and also, you know, one of the great things about the smart cover is that folded smart cover grip, you know, like when you kind of fold it on itself, so it gets like thickness on one side and you hold it kind of like what the Kindles do. So it was. Not, I found the form factor of it really nice, um, but 64 gigabytes, which is the iPad that I got, completely untenable. Uh, I barely installed a few apps on it, and then it was completely full. I don't know how it happened. Uh, I don't. I don't save photos or whatever. Like I'm doing everything that Apple's suggesting that I do in the storage management page, but just the kinds of apps that I use, like Dropbox, Google Docs, the iWork Suite, stuff like that, like completely filled up the entire 64 gigabytes. So yeah, I I continue to recommend people do not get 64 gigabyte products where they can. I think that is what the new iPad Air starts at, and I I think that that on the last episode I said that I thought that that was ridiculous and now having used an iPad for just a week with 64 gigabytes of storage I stand by what I said like it, that is an almost in, in, in the modern day an almost unusable storage size because 7 gigabytes was taken up by the system like it says it on the bottom it's like I'm, I'm barely left of anything at that point. Like I wasn't downloading any music to it. I wasn't downloading any content to it. Just purely installing the apps that I needed filled it up. Do you have iCloud Photo on it all, like the thumbnails on the device? I am whatever the system sets me to be by default. Because I looked at mine uh, when I saw this in the show notes. Mine is also 64 gigs, and it's almost out of space, but Photos is taking up a lot of that, and Apple should manage that automatically but i agree with you on on the whole though 64 gigs like especially when you're selling devices that shoot 4k video and these amazing photos and all these rich apps like it just doesn't go very far and uh, it feels like yesterday but of course it was years ago we were arguing this about 16 gigabytes but the technology has really come along that much in just a few years where Mm-hmm. I really think 128 is the the minimum that most people can get by on because most people probably don't use iCloud Photo, so they can't offload their photos. They just have the pictures sure. they've taken. They may not subscribe to Apple Music or Spotify. Maybe that you know it's like we as nerds have like the tools to manage this, and even if we can't manage it, it's like then it's not tenable at all. Let me go get my iPad real quick, okay. and I'll give you a breakdown of what's on it. Hey, Federico. Hello. Do you have an iPad mini? I do. Yeah, it's really good, right? Like It's really small and yeah, portable, yeah. I feel like it's made some sort of comeback. Maybe it's just the three of us and John, but it really mm-hmm. seems like uh, the, you know, the mini's found uh, a home again in people's lives. 
I think so, because it's such a unique um, form factor at this point where we have, like even a, a large iPhone, I know that people point out the difference that seems to be very small in terms of like the display size, but it's the form factor that is still so different between an iPad mini and even a big iPhone. Mm-hmm. And just also the OS, of course, like the fact that it runs iPad OS and you can still do things like split view, which is kind of ridiculous on a small display, but you can do it, right? And And like... I absolutely cannot wait for the iPad mini to get the iPad Pro design treatment. Uh, I think it was rumored. uh, It was your risky pick, Steven. Yeah, Uh, yeah, it was. I think you picked the wrong year. uh, Probably. It should happen next year, I think. I did that with ARM Max, too. I was off. I did that last year. That took a little longer than I was expecting, but I have it now. That's cool. So I'm currently at 61.5 out of 64 gigabytes used. Um, One of the things that's seems to be taking up a lot of my space is uh, messages, right? I believe. Because it's telling me I can save up to 22.8 gigabytes by reviewing my large attachments. But I, I don't know what that means. Like, I have messages in the cloud on. And then when I go to review the attachments, it's like I have to manually delete videos, <laughs> like one by one, which is very seems very strange to me. Um so I don't really so I don't really know what's going on here, but it's it's not a good scene, right? Like I've got multiple gigabytes taken up in apps, um, and then at the moment forty seven gigabytes is quote other system data, whatever that means. So there you go. Yeah, it adds up quick. It sure does. Maybe you should have gotten a bigger iPad Mini. Well, I mean, I honestly, I for what I was installing, which is basically what I put on it, was a bunch of applications that don't download a bunch of data. I just figured that that would be fine. Like I wasn't planning on putting anything on it. Um, everything's changing at the moment, and now other what's quote is other is now thirty nine gigabytes of information, and I have eight gigabytes, which is messages. But that eight gigabytes of messages is just what the system is choosing to store because I have messages in the cloud turned on. So yeah, basically all of this is a long a, a long way of saying again, like 64 gigabytes is the new 16 gigabytes. It doesn't work in today's world. Um, it, it, we we deal with way more data just in our typical lives. So iOS 14.2 beta is mm. out. Uh, nine to five nice. has an article with the uh, with the changes. There's some uh, the media controls are revamped. I think they're worse. Uh, you have the what is it that Apple bought that listens to songs and tells you what it is? Shazam. 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 Mm-hmm. It is in Control Center now, so it's been demoted to just a button in Control Center, which is kind of cool. And you can tap it, and then it will tell you what's playing, and it will give you a. Uh, an option to listen to it on Apple Music. So, it's not just that it that it's going to listen to what's playing in uh, around you using the microphone, right? The I think the the most important change here is that uh, Apple is calling this music recognition, not just Shazam. And I mean, it's obviously Shazam because it's got the logo. But what they're doing is they can listen via the microphone, of course. But now that feature can also recognize audio playing inside any app. So even if you're listening to oh. through your headphones on your or your AirPods, the cool. music recognition feature can just take a look at the audio track essentially and find the music play the, the what music is play, is playing inside that audio um, track for you, even if nothing is coming out of the iPhone speakers. 
And I think that's pretty incredible, right? It's the kind of integration that Apple can now do because they own Shazam, which obviously Shazam couldn't have done before because it's not like as a third-party app, you can take a look at what's playing inside other apps. Uh, but now they can do that. So imagine, like I think that the bigger, the bigger topic here is, I think it's pretty clear that 14.2 is gearing up to be the headphones update for iOS because you take a look at all these features. So just everything's audio related. Everything is audio related. So you have the new uh, suggestions in the now playing um, tile in control center and on the lock screen when nothing is playing. Uh, you have the new media controls. Uh, you have the new AirPlay picker, which is no longer a full screen thing. I mean, that's not a surprise given Compact UI this year. And then you have music recognition in control center. So all these things are audio related and perhaps the most intriguing of all music recognition also works with AirPods and headphones. And I think that if Apple is indeed about to announce this new AirPods Studio or HeadPods, whatever, I think this is going to be a big selling point, right? Um, you can have this feature work for you and you have the direct Apple Music integration. I think it's a, I think it's a very cool um, addition to Control Center. I would have liked to see, I mean, I'm just nitpicking here, uh, it would be nice if you could associate a playlist for music recognition to save songs into. Instead, mm. right now, it's just saying, here's a song, do you want to listen to Apple Music? But one of the cool things about Shazam, the app, is that when I recognize songs, they get automatically saved into a playlist. Um, this feature doesn't do that yet. So that would be nice. But overall, I think 14.2, is going to be the headphones, the the audio update. I think in a way, it's kind of cool because Apple used to have music events in the fall. Now they're going to have the music update. So I think that's kind of nice. But then also the other thing, which you know we haven't mentioned, but it's like 14.1 is lost somewhere. Like it right. fell down the back of a couch at Apple Park and they can't find it. It's um, like the iPhone 9. It's like the iPhone 9 never existed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I think is where they stashed all the secret iphone features 14.1 right. is for the iphone 9 only mm-hmm. that's the only device with yeah. 14.1 no i don't know maybe it doesn't even exist 14 point no maybe it's on the iphones i think yeah makes the most sense yeah i mean they've done this before they did it like 10 years ago where they had the ipad on ios 3 still then ios 4 came out for the phone and then like 4.2 i think is where they merged them and so maybe that's how this goes is the phones come with 14.1 and maybe even that day or a couple of days later, 14.2 comes to unify the new phones and the iPad all, all at once. So I think I think that makes a lot of the, sense. The, I guess the only part of it, though, is that 14.2 clearly doesn't reference the iPhone 12 in any way because otherwise it would have been mined by now. Mm-hmm. So I just find that interesting, right? Because like we, our assumption is like a similar assumption for why one of the reasons they may have released the GM uh, basically immediately after announcing products is so that they could keep some of the stuff in it secret but it's just this weird thing of like iOS 14.2 doesn't clearly doesn't reference any new products so will it end up being 14.2 that goes on the new iPhone? It's very weird. It's all very weird, right? Everything's very weird right now and this is part of it. So 14.1 is, is lost somewhere uh, probably in a Foxconn factory uh, in China. <laughs> Like, where'd it go? Where'd that USB key go? 
We dropped it. It's gone. We dropped it. iOS 14 adoption is very good. Uh, current estimates suggest that it is outpacing iOS 13, uh, which is 25% adoption versus 20% adoption after five days of release. Um, obviously, you can't do like remember 13 was weird but like this is the kind of a thing that there uh, is being assumed from when it was actually released um and this isn't surprising for two reasons one 13 was known to be not good right and that was the message that was circulating i think uh, as soon as ios 13 was released but ios 14 has widgets and as it's impossible mm. to ignore right now widgets are the talk of the town and we're mm-hmm. going to touch on that a little bit later on but you know it's like how i mean again i'm not saying anything original here but i think it's just worth noting it's kind of like how emoji um has always pushed forward uh, the adoption of new versions of ios it's i think it's pretty clear that widgets are doing it for ios 14 because widgets have gone viral in a way that ios releases do not go viral this isn't a thing that happens right that like it becomes this thing where it's not just that your phone is updating and and whatever it's like no i want to do this so i can do uh, what my favorite influencers are doing to make their home screens uh, aesthetic af yeah um I'm not surprised um, that these numbers are up, especially in the context of widgets. And in fact, I, I'm trying... Uh, we're going to talk about that later, but I needed to convince a friend today not to update um, her iPhone to iOS 14 for reasons that we're going to talk about shortly. Um, and it was a struggle because she really wanted to try the widgets. Um, <laughs> so I'm not sure if I managed to convince her. Um We'll see. But yeah, uh, people want widgets, man. What, what you got to do about it? Uh, honestly, I was not expecting this. So it's uh, quite the surprise. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Hrefs. Do you work for a big brand or maybe you run a small business or you're a freelancer? No matter where you fall, getting traffic to your website can be challenging. There's a lot of competition out there. The internet's a big place, if you haven't noticed. Ahrefs is an all-in-one SEO tool set that solves this problem. It gives you the tools you need to rank your website in Google and get tons of search traffic. SEO seems like a box of mystery to me and to a lot of people, but with Ahrefs, it's really easy. I was able to open up the tool, look at Relay's website, see how it was doing. Features all really laid out well where I could understand what was going on and not just be drowned in jargon. Ahrefs uncovers how your competitors are getting traffic and why. You can see the pages and content that send them the most traffic, and you can get estimated search volumes with their Keywords Explorer tool. So you can see how well a piece of content is likely to perform before you write it. Ahrefs has a bunch of useful stuff. Content Explorer can help you find guest blogging opportunities, and Rank Tracker lets you track your progress on keywords. It'll even pick up broken backlinks and help you fix them. Take the mystery out of SEO. Go to hrefs.com right now. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com. Sign up for their seven-day trial for just $7. Get reports on your website, see what's performing well, and figure out your next move. Whether you have a personal website that you want to gain a following on or your company needs more traffic to convert into sales, head on over to hrefs.com to get that $7 trial. Our thanks to Hrefs for the support of the show and Relay FM. So Federico, you have jumped mm-hmm. on the the iOS 14 customization train, mm-hmm. 
in the best way you know how by creating a shortcut <laughs> to do it. <laughs> Can you talk about Wall Creator? Yes. So um, Wall Creator, this shortcut that I shared yesterday, it lets you create wallpapers for your iPhone and iPad, either using solid colors. So like if you want to have a red or purple or black wallpaper or using gradients. Um, you can have a gradient that is um, top to bottom or diagonal from the top left to the bottom right. And so this shortcut, it started off two years ago. Uh, I originally shared the first version of this shortcut in Mac Stories Weekly, I believe in November or December 2018. And now that, like I saw, like obviously widgets going viral and people customizing their home screens, and I thought, how can I help and how can I sort of a, put out something useful that people can use, especially because like so many people are discovering shortcuts now. Like, and I'm not kidding, the traffic to the Mac Stories Shortcuts Archive this week is like up uh, 350% or something. Like it's kind of ridiculous. Do you know what they use, like what people are... Uh, uh... Yes, I, I do. So most of them are obviously coming from Google, right? They just um, yeah. they just search for shortcuts and the Mac Stories or Shortcuts Archive is popular enough that it's actually really well positioned and people go there. And it's, it also was linked by a um, but like TechCrunch and a bunch of other blogs this week. And I guess the people sort of discovering shortcuts arrive on that page. A lot of them also discover one shortcut in particular uh, that is in the archive called Home Screen Icon Creator, which is something that I did, <laughs> something that I did a couple of years ago that lets you create custom launchers using uh, colors or custom photos and files if you want to have like a custom icon that launches something so like oh hey look it's me yeah it, there's you in there um there's me in there yeah so thousands of people this week have discovered the archive like i'm not kidding in a week the archive has had the same traffic that it would get in like six months it's it is ridiculous uh in the best way possible and um so i thought well if they are discovering shortcuts and, you know, maybe a small percentage of those people also convert uh, to mm -hmm. being like Mac Stories readers and maybe my followers, so maybe I can give them something useful again. And I thought, like, I went looking through my archives and I noticed, well, I actually made a, a wallpaper shortcut a while back and I can probably update it. So I took the, 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 the basic structure of that shortcut and I came up with a technique because I figured, you know, if I put this out, the shortcut right now, it requires you to input manual color codes, right? W whether you use the English name of an HTML color or the hex color code. And I thought, but if I put this out now, most people are going to have no idea what an hex color code is. Mm -hmm. So I thought, is there any way that I can have a random color generation thing happen inside shortcuts without using third-party apps, right? Shortcuts doesn't have a native like make image or create color action. So what I ended up uh, doing is I implemented this very stupid and silly and ugly workaround for running for executing executing local JavaScript inside shortcuts. Um, so by default, shortcuts doesn't have uh, uh, like a run code action. The only JavaScript thing that Safari has, uh, that Shortcuts has, is a Safari action that lets you run JavaScript inside a web page. However, that only works if you run a shortcut from the share sheet in Safari. 
There's no other way to run JavaScript unless you implement my stupid technique, which is, and I know you guys are going to make fun of me for obvious reasons, but trust me, this works. I mean, you've tried Wall Creator yourself, so you know, you know that it works. Don't you tell me what I think you're about to say. You assemble a, a local web page in shortcuts. Okay. Inside the web page, which is like literally like you open an HTML tag and you know you close the HTML tag. Uh-huh. In there, you put a script ob- object, and inside the script, you put the JavaScript code. Oh, I thought you were going to tell me it was base sixty four. Oh no, wait, know. just you wait, it's coming. Oh. So what you do is you base sixty four <laughs> encode this web page. Federico, <laughs> you've put a Trojan horse in my phone again. <laughs> now my iCloud's going to get messed up. <laughs> You base64 encode the <sighs> web page. Then you use the get contents of web page action. So what happens basically? Well, it's different from the previous times, right? It's different because the shortcuts that you remember, they actually had a base64 text um, action already contained inside them. Those shortcuts were problematic because they were like actually large in size, like Apple frames, for example, right? Mm. The assets for those frames, they are embedded within the shortcut. That's what causes problems. Uh, okay. This is different in that the base 64 is generated on the fly by the shortcut every single time. It's not stored inside the shortcut, which is why it runs super quickly. Uh, so what you do basically is you tell short- this is a stupid technique, but it works. You tell shortcut basically to like run JavaScript every single time the shortcut uh, the shortcut runs, and every time the shortcut runs, uh, the script that I created, which is uh, adapted from another person that I found on Stack Overflow, which I modified to my needs, it basically creates a random hex color code every single time. Um, so every time, if you choose the random option. You can create a random wallpaper that uses either a random solid color or a random gradient. And it's fun. I really like it. It's fun. To, I'm, I've been doing it while we've been talking to just keep cycling new ones, new yes. ones, new ones. Yeah. And you get really cool looking colors. Yeah, um, you, you do. It's And it's very fun, especially if you use it as a widget on the home screen. Um, thanks to Compact UI, you can just um, you can just um, confirm and start creating wallpapers from the home screen, and you get the quick look preview, of course. And another cool thing about the shortcut is that you don't have to say, "Oh, I'm using an iPhone" or "I'm using an iPad." The shortcut figures it out figures it out on its own because uh, shortcuts has actions to tell the display size of the current device. Mm. And so by using those numbers and a bunch of um, calculations inside the shortcut that you don't need to know, it understands... <laughs> am I, All right. It understands, wow. am I on, a, on an iPhone, on an iPad? And also, if it's an iPhone, is this a 2X display or a 3X display? Um, so that's kind of cool. And yeah, you can just create wallpapers and then you can save them to the, to the photos library or you can just keep creating new ones. Uh, so I thought, Maybe people will like this, and and it seems like people are liking it because uh, many of them are downloading it. So I'm, um, you know, just a fun distraction um, to do to write in the middle of my iOS review. It took me like an hour to put it together a few nights ago. So yeah, I love it, man. And it is one of those things where like. On the surface, this seems like a really simple shortcut, but hearing mm-hmm. you talk about it, I'm realizing that there's way more going <laughs> on. And I always like that about shortcuts because it, it has it can has a full range of things it can do. 
Yeah, that's a very important point. I think over the years, what I've understood about um, the the people who come to Mac Stories and also the, the way that I like to to publish these things is all the shortcuts that I've published, especially over the past two years, I want to make sure that they seem really simple, even if they do really complex things. So the, the real challenging part for me lately has become, like, how do I make this very complex task and how do I present it in shortcuts in a way that you don't need to know anything about the way that it works? And mm. there's ve- as little as possible that you need to configure manually. So that, that that's always a challenge, right? Because I don't want, like, there's these crazy shortcuts that people put together, like on Reddit, for example, and they require you to do this heavy configuration up front or to confirm all of these dialogues, right? And while a lot of them are impressive, technically speaking, I want to produce stuff that like even a random person who don't even, who doesn't even know what Mac Stories is can download a shortcut and run it and it does what it needs to do and it hides the complexity from you as much as possible. Yeah, I get frustrated sometimes when I, I, I get a, a shortcut of some kind and it asks me a bunch of setup questions. And The setup questions feature is really good that it exists, but I'm not always expecting to have to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's kind of like, you know, they start asking a bunch of questions. I'm like, I don't I, I don't know. What do you want from me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just here to, to have some fun. Like, what are you getting all up in my case for? Yeah. Yeah. That was also like the same approach to music bot, right? It was just how yes. do I take all these features and just present them in a list? And you as the user don't need to know anything about this. Um, the shortcut takes care of like different scenarios, different conditions, and adapts to them for you. So, yeah, it's a challenge, but this one was a was a fun one to put together because, especially with the uh, understanding like the different devices that it's running on, uh, that removes a like it may not seem like a lot of complexity, but every time you stop the shortcut and put and like put up a dialogue that says, "Is it an iPhone or an iPad?" like you're slowing the user down, and that's not fun. Federico, I. Yes. I- I want to I want to know but I also don't want to have to put you under any pressure but uh I will ask anyway cuz I know people are interested as your review coming along. Okay. Uh so my goal is to be so I, well obviously I'm late, right? So uh, with that out of the like it's obvious like I'm late. iOS came out, there's nothing I can do about it, whatever. Um my goal is to finish, uh, I sh- well, I should be finished writing by Saturday or Sunday. Like all the remaining sections, all the... like This the, week. This week. This, this oh, upcoming, that's fantastic. Yes. Um, so all the sections that I left, like as temporary placeholders in the review and the conclusion, uh, all those things, I should be finished by Sunday with the writing. We already started editing the review. So like we're doing like we're on two separate tracks at the moment. I'm still writing some things and I'm also editing with Ryan other chapters. So I my goal is to be finished with the actual writing for every single section, including the new stuff in 14.2 this Sunday. So next oh, week... Oh, you're, you're adding in, like, 14 points. That's clever. I have to, right? I, 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 well, you don't have to, but I understand why you have. Yeah, so all the, all the new stuff will be covered in the review as well. And so next week, it's going to be, like, just editing and, put like, preparing all the extras and finishing the graphics and the animations, all that stuff. So my... I think, realistically, we're looking at my original goal, right? Um, this is coming up. Uh, I'm guessing in the first 10 days of October at this point, which is uh, like 
I'm, I've realized these past few days that as much as I wanted to be ready earlier, there's nothing I can do about the fact that it takes me a certain amount of time to do this review. And I set it in June after WWDC. I think I'm going to be ready in early October. And in fact, it turns out that I'm going to be ready in early October. Just, there's nothing I can do about it. Uh, it, it turns out, funnily enough, it takes as long to uh, get your app ready for a new version of iOS as it does for Federico to write a review about it. Because that's what you found, right? It's the two to three weeks that were lost for WWDC yeah. being late yeah. is the exact amount of time that you will be late after iOS coming out. Yeah, yeah. And also like... So it takes just that amount of time. And it's like, it's not like I'm, I'm, I'm developing an app, right? And I only need to think about the app. Like I'm reviewing both iOS and iPadOS and I need to care about every single feature of those operating systems. Like there's 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 not a single thing that I can ignore. And and yeah. And it takes me this amount of time and and I, and I honestly like you guys have been a huge help in sort of uh, keeping my um keeping me in check in terms of like feeling good about it and not feeling stressed or depressed or sad. But like, I'm pretty happy at this point that I've been able to reach this point, even if I'm late, like despite all the things that have happened in, in my life over the summer, which are still happening and I'm dealing with them. Like the fact that I still have this thing coming along, I'm pretty happy that I was able to put it together. Like I think given the the, the the issues that I've had to deal with over the past few months, I think a lot of people would have just given up. And, I, and I'm feeling pretty good about myself from that perspective that, that I'm thankful to have like a support network with, with, with Sylvia and with you guys and with John that, you know, and obviously with the people that I'm working with, so Brian and Ryan, uh, people who are helping, you know, sort of a, saying to me like, don't worry, you work on the review, we're going to take care of all these other things. Mm. So uh, that's been a huge help. And yes, it's going to be late. I'm a, like a lot of people will have already watched YouTube videos, and that's fine. Uh, I don't think I've ever I've, I've seen any other in-depth review of iOS and iPadOS. But I think I haven't seen any written reviews. The market for those articles had already shrunk over yeah. the past couple of years, so I'm not surprised. And I, uh, I've I've sent um, segments and chapters of the review to you guys, and of course to Ryan mm -hmm. as well. And I'm pretty confident about the fact that, as usual, there's going to be a lot of detail in the review and things that people, even after having watched all those YouTube videos, um, like little details that they will, that, that they're not familiar with. And obviously, it's more about like sort of understanding why certain things are done mm -hmm. in a certain way, right? That's always been the goal of my reviews to explain. Yeah. Yes, there's a new like there's a new icon, there's a new menu, and it looks like this. But why does this feature work a certain way? So yeah, I'm gonna be late, but I think I think I'm fine with it now. Obviously, I'm like I'm super excited about all the extras that I'm preparing and the graphics that we're putting together this year. We're doing graphics some really so good. We're doing some oh really God. some so really good. wild Very good. things in that department. Um, I have unfortunately um, run into a problem. Big problem okay. just today. Oh. oh yes, yes, yes. So, and it, it's totally my fault. Um, so you know, I had a backup phone to take screenshots on iOS thirteen. Your night phone. My my night phone, my tennis yeah. Max, um, <laughs> to do comparisons between iOS yeah. thirteen and fourteen. Now, because I'm a stupid person, 
I forgot that that phone had the automatic software update feature on. And now I normally, I, I like I didn't worry about it because I never left that phone charging overnight. And during the day, the dialogue would come up saying, uh, do you want to update your software? And I would just say no. Um, but then last night, stupidly, um, as you know, as with the past few nights, I was up at 5 a.m. writing, um, and I was sleepy. I was very tired, and I didn't think about it. I put the phone on the charger, and I, without thinking about it, I clicked OK on the software update dialog, mm. thinking, oh, this is just going to update to 13.7, because it was on 13.6. And much to my surprise, I woke up today and noticed that the phone was running 14 which is a big problem for me because now I don't have a device to take screenshots for iOS 13 anymore. Well, at least I don't have another Max phone, uh, which is the same size of my 11 Pro Max, to do the proper comparisons between two iPhones of the same size, between 13 and 14. Um, I've tried to use the simulator, but the simulator sucks. It's terrible. Like it, the performance is horrible, and it doesn't have all the apps that I need. Like Home, for example, you cannot use Home with your account and your accessories on a simulator. So, uh, the aforementioned friend, whom I tried to convince not to update her phone, she has a, a 10s Max that I could probably use for screenshots. But, I mean, realistically, right? Um, she has a life. She has friends. She communicates with people a lot over WhatsApp. Um, like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to intrude and say, hey, can you lend me your phone for, like, six hours today? <laughs> like, she's, she's never going to be up for that, right? <laughs> so, realistically speaking, I think I'm looking at um, having tonight, in a few hours a conversation with Silvia to explain how I'm going to need to buy an, 11, an iPhone 11 Pro Max from the Apple Store and return it in two weeks. Well, the, the part in the middle is hope that it still has 13 on it. Hoping that that would phone... would be the assumption, but we don't know, assuming, but you would assume. Assuming that that phone still has uh, 13 instead of 14. So... Um, yeah, this is a mess <laughs> because it, like, I save the screenshot taking step as the very last thing that I do for my iOS reviews during the edit during the final stages of the editing process. Because the and usually that's never a problem. Never is because the iOS version is not usually is, out usually when you're out, doing this, and the yes. backup phone doesn't have the beta yeah, profile you, installed. You're finding new wonderful mm -hmm. things that can get in your way that you've never had to experience before. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, the, the hope is that well there, there's a there's a multiple levels of hoping right first I need I gotta <laughs> hope that, I gotta hope that Sylvia will understand the problem that she will understand that this is the only reasonable measure that needs to be taken at this point and uh, I also need to hope that the phone that I buy from the Apple Store will have iOS 13 on it um, instead of 14 so imagine if I buy it right. And I get it, and it's got 14, and it's useless, and I got to return it. Well, the other thing I was thinking about is, like, you start it up, and it forces you to update. Oh, no. Can you do that? 
No, I don't think it can. I think it forces you if you want to restore from a backup yeah. that was done on on the next version. I think that's mm, true. Okay. Otherwise, the solution is just to convince my friend and promise her like a lot of money or a, you know a nice present or something like please let me use your phone for like six hours today or just the whole day. You cannot use your phone. You need to give me. You need to get me your phone, and and I can take the screenshots. I, I don't know. I honestly, I'm at a loss. I, I don't know. Uh, if the phone that I buy from Apple, if I can convince Sylvia and I get it and it doesn't have 13, then it's going to be a big problem. Federico, I have I have the solution. This is, this is the Galaxy Brain solution to your problem here, right? Okay. Convince your friend to not update. Buy the new phone. If the new phone has 14... You give it to her. <laughs> no, that's quite the gift. I mean, I mean, we're close, but not that close. What you gonna do, right? Is well, what what other option do you have at that point? Well, I guess she can use the phone for a couple of days. Um, you think that's gonna be enough? That's it. That's your Galaxy Brain solution. Is you just you yeah. burn, burn a bit of money? I I think that yeah, yeah. I have another Galaxy Brain solution for okay. you for something completely different. Okay. Your iPhone review your iOS review is not late if you say it's the iOS fourteen point two review. Sure. <laughs> that is my I don't want to put the point two thing in the Just title. make it really small. Mm, like a footnote. Right? Like a little yeah. two. Like, yeah. Mm. Just super small. That is also a galaxy brain uh, mm-hmm. idea. Uh it's not late. People in the Discord are recommending uh, solutions like crowdsourced screenshots. Now what you need to know about me as a person is that I am very particular when it comes to screenshots. I have tried this before, right? To crowdsource screenshots from other people. It never works out. The data won't match. And the, the things won't match and the data will be different and people will take screenshots with like small details that I cannot oh, accept. Oh, you know what? Actually, as a person who has provided screenshots for Federico in the past, it's a nightmare because he's like, oh, your battery's too low. You've got to charge your phone first. <laughs> you, know, you know what? Right? what like, the, oh, oh can you actually, you, you kept the line in the bottom. Can you just move exactly. the screen down to hide that little, like this, working with Federico for this, is, it's, it's nightmarish. So no there's, no, there's no other person in the world that can do this for him. The worst is when people send me screenshots and there's the scroll bar showing on the right side of the screen like what what are these people like don't you know how to take a proper screenshot you're supposed to wait a few seconds let all the interactions stop this includes the pointer on ipad let the scroll bar scroll bar disappear and then you can take the screenshot i mean i don't need to teach anybody this and yet people get it wrong all the time so yeah i need to do this myself i realize um crowdsourcing screenshots uh, is not a solution um, no, and it's why you're going to have to give uh, an acquaintance <laughs> a really expensive present. Uh, that that's <laughs> that's an idea. That that yeah. Um, Look, worst comes to worst, and the situation is pretty bad at that point. But worst comes to worst, that is the way around it, I suppose. And you're going to explain this to my girlfriend? No, that's up to you. That's up to John. Let John do it. I mean, you can play a, you can play Sylvia this part of the show, and then you can then provide all of the additional context that Sylvia will will require from you. Mm. But I mean, you can you can tell her if you want that it was my idea. I have no problem with that. But I don't have to like take it across the the finish line. That's up to you. 
I will have a conversation with Sylvia tonight to explain because like we can I can buy a phone and I can return it in two weeks. I checked the Italian um, support pages. It can be done. The, there's a the delivery guy will come to pick it up at home for you. You just need to print out the shipping label. So that can be done. But yeah, it's a conversation that we need to have, I guess. I am incredibly confident that if you buy that phone, it will have 13 on it. I'm incredibly confident. It may not even be 13.7. Yeah, it will be whatever it was when that thing shipped. Right. Your issue will be if if there's any kind of like software update in the process. I mean, and then your other problem is like, what if it's 13 point something? That's fine. It, that's and, fine, but it but it's not the right. L- I don't know. No, it's fine. There are no there are no meaningful changes, but like design wise or feature wise, like if I, uh, for example, uh, reminders in thirteen point six and thirteen point seven, it's the same. And also, like I I can um, I'm gonna have a disclaimer in the review, just like I did last year, to explain where uh, like on which devices where this uh, screenshots taken. So that's gonna be fine. Um, but yeah, the the primary issue here is getting the phone. And I think my only solution here is to actually buy one from Apple and give it back in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Which means I will have to be done in two weeks. Or at least the screenshots will have to be done. In two at weeks. least the screenshots. I mean, and that's like a thing. Like, that's the thing you could do, right? Like, you know. Finish writing by Sunday and then think about editing and doing the screenshots and returning the phone. That's the plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This has been an adventure this summer. It's mm-hmm. it's been a, it's been a, the most difficult thing I've done uh, to date, I think. Um, yeah. But despite that, I don't feel destroyed yet. I may be. Ask me again in a couple of weeks. Um, well, I mean, you, I think the benefit is in the sense that you knew you were going to be late and so late. You've not increased the pace of work based on where you would normally be this time every year? I have over the past week, but... Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm staying up late. Yeah. But there's always a crunch period no matter what, though, right? So, you know, I I, I don't... I get the impression that you are on, like, a similar trajectory that you would be every year because it's like that thing we were talking about last week. If they had said that iOS 14 came out on the 25th of September, Mm. you would have busted your butt to yep. get it done yep. because you would have had like a semi-achievable goal but them saying like it, as we said it was the best thing that could have happened to you them saying tomorrow there's just no way it could have been done so now you're just kind of working to a somewhat regular timeline which is very true noted about three weeks after where you would have been which kind of makes sense because you lost three weeks at the start i think it's a confusing feature someone clicks later and they think they're going to be reminded later not that it's going to download and, <laughs> and install at night like I, I, there's so much in there that i think could be clearer for people yeah but i shouldn't have clicked buttons at 5 a.m right i was so tired i was like yeah whatever i'm just gonna click okay that that i, w- I will i will say that that, that was uh that was short-sighted yeah. um. yes <laughs> you're too kind <laughs> yes but again now you've learned a valuable lesson about the test device mm, yeah and especially when iOS releases are early or I'm late. Yeah. Yeah, you'll have a whole system in place and then never have to do this again. Yeah. That's yeah. how it's going to go. <laughs> <laughs> this episode of Connected is brought to you by StoryWorth. These days, we have many ways to stay in touch with family, 
friends, even when we can't visit them in person. Technology can help us out. We have video calling, messaging, and more. In fact, uh, we all share these ways together, right? We're all using all these services. Being able to instantly check in with family is great, but sometimes you want to bond in other meaningful ways. And thanks to StoryWorth, you can connect with loved ones everywhere and learn family history you never knew about, like I am. What's good about StoryWorth is they have questions uh, that are prompted to your family members that you would never think of. I mean, and it's amazing how people will open up and, and share their history. StoryWorth is a fun and meaningful way to engage with family, especially with relatives you may not get to see often. This online service helps your loved ones share stories through thought-provoking questions about their memories and personal thoughts. It's the gift of spending time together wherever you are. Each week, StoryWorth emails your family member different prompts, questions, like I said, that I at least never think to ask. Like, what have been some of your greatest surprises? What's one of the riskiest things you've ever done? And reading these weekly stories is fun and makes everyone feel closer, even if we're not all together. Being able to learn about, say, your grandparents' house burning down when your parent was a kid. That's happened in my family. I had no idea. StoryWorth can help surface these stories. And after a year, StoryWorth will compile every answered question and a photo of your choosing into a beautiful keepsake book that's shipped for free for families like yours and mine to treasure forever. Connect with family and discover untold stories with StoryWorth. Get started right away without the need for shipping by going to storyworth.com connected and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. That's storyworth.com connected for $10 off. Our thanks to StoryWorth for their support of the show and Relay FM. So WatchOS 7 is out as well as uh, iOS 14. And I wanted to talk about a few things that I have noticed and liked about WatchOS 7. So I've been wearing uh, my watch for the last few days or whatever since it came out because I wanted to kind of get a sense of what was going on. And also I was intrigued by some of the new watch faces. Um, I really like the typograph face. Um, I think it is very attractive. It is not very good as a, a, a watch face itself in the way that I have it set up. So this is the one that's basically just the big numbers and you have a few different options for the font that you want to use and stuff like that. Um, but I use the version where it's just the four very large numbers and I think it's in, I'm not sure what font it is, but it's it's uh, it might be some version of the, the New York font that Apple's using. But basically I'm using it in the configuration that Apple ships it in, right? But I'm just using with white numbers on a black background. The problem is it's with the numbers being as large as they are, it's actually a little bit more tricky than usual to sometimes work out exactly what hour the watch is pointing to. <laughs> But the reason that I'm using this face is because I find it aesthetically like pleasing. I like it. So it looks very nice, and I'm happy with it. Um, I realize that my typical tastes for Apple Watch faces are the ones that are actually the least useful. So I like California and Typograph the most. I don't like the California version where it turns it into a circle when you put the infograph uh, things around the outside. Uh, what this kind of continues to show to me is that I would really appreciate Apple 
continuing to open up and really think about this because I could very easily put at least one or two small complications on the typograph face because there is like the corners, like I could just have one of the circle ones, not like the corner ones, but like the little circle ones to allow me to do something. Um, I, I, I still think that there is a lot, there is a way that they can go with a lot of these watch faces to still make them more useful without completely compromising their design. And there seems to be, it's very weird to me where it's like you can either have this thing that looks nice or you can take away everything that looks good about it so you can put complications on it. And there's no middle ground, right? Like in the California face is the one that really does it for me. So this is the one that they introduced last year that in its standard configuration, which is how I have it, you have Roman numerals on the top half and numbers on the bottom half. And the only way that you can add complications to this face, there's one you can put on the middle, but if you don't want one of the circle ones, you have to completely destroy it, in my opinion, by turning it from going all the way around the outside to being just in the middle. And then it just, it, I think it ruins what I like about it aesthetically. I just feel like it's it, they, they have yet to find for a lot of their watch faces a middle ground uh, between functionality and form. But nevertheless, I do really like this one. Um, the GMT face, I also do really like, uh, but but I have realized that the typical design of the corner complications, I, I don't like. I find them too busy. So these are the ones that have like some icon and then like a bar that goes around the outside. That there, it's a little too little too busy for me. So I'm I'm still tweaking it, and I want to see if there's a some kind of view that I can get that I enjoy, but there's, there's just too much, right? So like, for example, I have carrot weather on the top left on the GMT face and my activity is in the top right. And they both have an icon that sits in the corner and then some kind of text or visual representation of like a bar that goes around the watch face. You guys are following me, right? You know what I'm talking about? But the bars, so like carrot weather has a temperature one, right? So it shows you from like the lowest to the highest temperature and where you are on that level right now, right? That goes around, kind of follows around the outside of the circular face. And then the activity uh, complication has your numbers, right? So your move numbers, your exercise numbers, that kind of thing. But they're completely different physical sizes. So it looks off to me. And so like it just visually, it's mismatched. It's asymmetrical. And I really don't like the way that that looks. So basically, I continue and I think I'm going to continue for all of time to beat the drum of the form and function of Apple Watch faces doesn't match up. It's either you can have it look beautiful. This is all my opinion, right? For me, for my tastes, I can either have it look really nice or I can have it look like bleep bloop, I'm a computer. And there's nothing in the middle that I find works. So... And again, right, like if I wore my Apple Watch every day, I would go with I want a data-led face because then I'm wearing my watch for information. But that's not how I typically want my watch to be. Anyway, a feature that I do really love, so I think surprisingly, is the hand-washing feature. I like it. I think it's really nice. Um, it turns on sometimes when I expect it not to. Uh, or when I'm not washing my hands, like if I was washing something in the sink or something, uh, where I don't need to be in hand washing mode. Um, but I, I think it's really good to know. I am doing, boys, I'm doing a good job washing my hands. Do you even need those reminders anymore? Like, has it not become second nature? 
I don't need the reminders, mm. so I don't have the reminders on. But when I am washing my hands, I like to know that I'm doing a better job than what I should be, because my typical average hand washing time is 27 seconds. Which is longer than most people will tell you is necessary. It's like I think the typical time really, is twenty seconds, right? I really like to get in there, scrub. I like hands. to. I, I have a process. Mm. Like I have like a whole process that I do. Um, but there have been times recently where I'm kind of I'm like not paying attention, and I wash my hands, and I'm like, oh, did I? I don't know if I did a good enough job there. That's happened to me. But now the Apple Watch is reminding me. Plus, it gives me the little thumbs up, and it's like, ah, oh, I feel good about myself, right? Like I did, I did it. Everyone, staying healthy. So it's nice, right? Like, but it's, it is not a vital feature.、Uh, it is not a perfectly reliable feature. But it's at least something where it's like I'm enjoying the moment. The little thumbs up. It's like you're doing a good job, boy. You're keeping yourself clean. So.、Mm. Plus, I think I'm washing my hands way more than the average person because when I'm at my studio, I am moving in between like safe and unsafe areas more than a normal person would do. It's like you know, like when I'm in the studio, we're like, okay, everything is under our control. But if I ever go out to outside of it, so if I'm going out to get water or whatever. I want to make sure I'm doing the good hand washing process. So it's like a, it's like a whole thing.、Um, so yeah, I do have a feeling, and I wanted to, to to kind of to get your opinion on this, the two of you. I have the feeling of thinking of maybe trying to actually use my Apple Watch more like an Apple Watch at the moment to actually try and get back into sense of what it is like to use an Apple Watch. So what I wanted from the two of you、uh, was for me to over the next week. Bring back some of the more typical Apple Watch features,、mm. and I want you two to give me suggestions of the things that I should be doing. Mm. Mm. Uh, okay. So bear in mind. So bear in mind. I want. I want to just give you guys just the lay of the land, right? My Apple Watch is on Do Not Disturb constantly, and I could not even tell you what apps I have installed on. Okay. It, okay. Right. So like, just to give you the lay of the land here. But、uh, what's your?、Uh, Stands on workouts. I mean, all right. Besides, besides, but like, can you like do? You, knowing you, I don't think you like to go running, for example. No, I'm actually the thirty minute workout thing is a bit of a sore spot for me right now because I'm dealing with a with an injury.、Mm, you can customize it now. I think you can bring it down to ten minutes in、okay. WatchOS seven, so that can be changed. Tried that. Okay.、Um, okay. But like、uh, something like yoga, for example, I think it, is that a right as an、yeah. option? Okay.、Yeah. Okay.、Um, so do do we need to give you ideas now or next week? Well, we can we can do it next week if you two want to think about it, and then I can do it from next week for a week. I, I have a, I have a couple that you should already consider. One of them is putting a complication on your watch face for Home Run, which is the HomeKit utility that lets you super quickly activate specific scenes. Um, uh, from your watch, yeah, but you see, but I don't really have any. I have one scene, like I don't, I don't how, really. I only. How I don't have a lot of HomeKit devices. You have lights. You have a yeah. And you have my, a HomePod. You can do things. Yeah, but like, I mean, okay. You can put together scenes for changing the colors, for playing music. But I don't do any. Not even playing music. I don't like.、No. Oh my god,、oh, this is gonna be challenging. I don't play a lot of music at home, and I'm also not at home. In the daytime anymore. 
What about the studio? Do you? We have don't have HomePods here. We're an Echo. <sighs> we're an Echo unit here. Come on, you're not making it easy for myself, though. Well, I never said that this was going to be a simple challenge. Like, how am I supposed to win at this challenge if you don't give me the tools to win? Um, there isn't. There wasn't the, a case for you to win. You said it was a challenge for us, and I took it literally. I'm not sure I said it was a challenge for you. But I need to give you better ideas than Steven. That's the point. Ah, I see now. <laughs> All right. Well, so do yeah, you two okay. want to go away and think about it? Or yes. Do you, or Federico, yes, but also, okay. also, so next also, week... There's an obvious one. I cannot believe right. I didn't mention this. Shortcuts. You can put shortcuts on your watch. Yeah, I uh, I have one to add tasks to OmniFocus, and I put it on the watch face. But you see, the thing is, I want to I wanna kind of take all of the suggestions in from you, because if we're going to start doing complications, then I need to choose a new watch face, because the watch face that I'm using doesn't allow for complications. Yeah, I think complications are critical to using it like an Apple Watch, because okay. then... Yes. Forget about the dock, just use complications. I want to think on it, too. But I think step one will be take that thing off and do not disturb and manage your notifications. Decide what you really want there. Just like uh, hmm. just like everyone else. You know, everyone wades through the garbage fire of their notifications and you should too. All right. So here's where we'll start with this, right? We'll make this like a couple of week process. The first thing I'll do is what I've just done. My, my watch is now off do not disturb. Okay. So over the next week, I'll be trying to use notifications more like a regular Apple Watch user again. And then on next week's show, the two of you can each give me two things that you... So if you two both pay attention to how you use your Apple Watches over the next couple of weeks and outside of, uh, over the next week and outside of notifications, give me two things that you really love to do that your Apple Watch does that makes a material difference okay. in your day-to-day life. And then I will... I will enable those things and run that for another week. Does that sound good? In the meantime, can you buy an AirPlay speaker for the studio? <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> but like... Look, I gotta buy a phone. The least you can do is buy a speaker. What do I need it for? For me to win the challenge of ideas. Okay. Do you, So, like, what is an AirPlay speaker? Like, what are we talking about? An AirPlay about 2 speaker. <laughs> yeah, but, like, what, though? Like, what... What products are, uh, are AirPlay 2 speakers outside of HomePods? Maybe, I don't know, Bose maybe has something with AirPlay support, BNO. They probably have one. I'm not sure. Sonos. I mean, Sonos has a bunch. Um, but like, I have like two Echoes and a Sonos. <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's, <laughs> all really right, all right. it's fine. Okay. We will not do AirPlay automations. But I, I will think about it. Before we move on, uh, one of my favorite WatchOS 7 features is the screen where you add complications now gives you a preview of what those complications look like. So like I'm on the utility face and the large one, I tapped in scrolling through and I can see heart rate and news and Nike Run Club and all these other things. And I get a feel for what they will look like and what they can do. And I think that's a really nice addition, much better than just like scrolling through a bunch of app names trying to guess what you want. It's nice. It's a nice touch. But I will say, Federico, I'm, I have no intention of buying a new Apple Watch. See, I don't believe you. I don't mm. believe you. Like, I respect awesome. you, but I don't believe you. I, I think it's going to happen. I wasn't questioning the respect that you had. No, I just need to say it up front, because maybe you, you may think that, that also with the lack of an Apple Watch also comes the loss of respect. Uh, that's not the case. However, I do not believe okay. you. All right, that's fine. I think you will get it. And also soon. I think I would say before the end of the year. Yeah, we had it. We have a date. 
in the document of December 16th has Mike bought a Series 6 Apple Watch. Okay. okay. I really want to buy one on December 17th now, just to like... <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I just got my first notification. It was from John Voorhees. He sent, he sent me a text message. So mm. there we go. I just wanted... To, the reason I've mentioned this is because that was a physically weird experience for me to feel my watch tap me because mm. that has not happened in a very, very long time. I'm going to have to get used to that. I have one listener request before we okay. move on. Uh, I have tried out a bunch of the new watch faces. I think the GMT watch face is really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's kind of like throws back to the time travel feature, like you rock the crown and something happens, which is which is neat. How in the world do you set which time zones show up in that scrolly bit? If you can, I cannot find it. My guess is that Apple just did this halfway and no, no. didn't bother to, to adjust it, but I cannot find it. Oh, no, it's 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 doable. Uh, it's in... Oh, man. See, I've done it, and now I don't remember how I did mm-hmm. it. It's not the World Clock app, because that has just the cities I want, and that's not reflected on the GMT watch face. Mm-hmm. It's not on the edit watch face screen, best I can tell. I can change the color and the complications, but I can't seem to change the cities. And under settings, I'm scrolling through settings now, I don't really see a place where it could be. Now, I know I've done it, and now I can't find it. So if you go to GMT, it shows you a custom list. A custom list of what? So if you go to the GMT watch face, Uh and you tap or or you scroll with the digital crown to see the different time zones have you customized that list or does it have like two dozen cities in that you don't care about i honestly i i can't i don't know what you're talking about right now do you are you wearing your apple watch right now you're wearing it right now yeah i'm wearing go it. to the yeah. gmt watch face yeah and uh scroll the digital crown oh yeah sorry okay okay sorry 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 you tap the middle of the watch face yes or scroll the crown both get you into this mode yeah i cannot work out like it's uh all these cities in here that I don't care about. Sorry, no, but it doesn't matter. The, none of the cities don't matter, though. You've just got to pick the time zone. Hmm. But I, I want you're picking a time zone. So this is this is the but way. But every okay, world so, clock that right, Apple right, ships right. lets you customize it by city in their own world clock app See, in I their watch you. OS. It's right, right there. I can help you. Let me help don't, you. Don't, I right? don't want to hear about your fancy GMT watches in, in the real world. This is a computer right, no, watch. But this is it what they're doing. What's it. happening? This is one <laughs> of the things that they're doing. All right. So you're upset. In typical watch design. Now, you can argue as to, like, for some reason, Apple picks and chooses whenever it wants to do this. But in typical watch design, when you have world timers, which is this is, or a GMT, you just, you are setting to the time zone and the biggest city in that time zone. But it's so a, what time zone are you looking for? I want to look and see where, what time is it where people I work with live? Just the way the world clock works, just the way their other complications work. Yeah, well, you've, all right, so you just need to remember, like, I have London, Paris, Rome, here, Athens. Yeah, and then a bunch of places you don't know any, where anyone lives. Like, this is what I'm, yeah, this is my, like, core right. frustration with the Apple Watch is they, they pick certain things that they're saying, oh my gosh, we cannot cross this line because watches have been this way for a thousand years. Yes. And they have other ways, other things, they just burn things down and do things new. It's like, well, this, see, is this is one of those is, things This is that- exactly what I was saying. It's the form function thing, right? Sometimes you want to be a watch and sometimes you want to be, be a computer, but you, for some reason, can never mix those two things together. And this is one of those where they have decided they want to be a watch. 
It's I just I find it a stupid limitation. It's a computer like let me customize it. I do think that as well as the standard list, if you add something in in the world clock on the phone, it also adds, which is why I have Rome, because I wouldn't have Rome. I would just have Paris in this list. Um, but you, but, And I also have Memphis, and I wouldn't have Memphis. Right. right? Like yeah, it, yeah. It, it, just it, wouldn't it show adds it them, but I want to remove the others. And I think yeah, that's I, like a, a silly limitation. That. Then it's just giving you the list of the world's time zones. It's like so close to what I want. The story of the Apple Watch. <laughs> yeah, but to see, the thing is, though, like, I know what you're saying, but if you're thinking of it as a world timer, which this is, it's actually more of a world timer than a GMT, but nevertheless. But only fancy watch people care about that stuff. No, but there's genuine utility to, to, to having a second time zone, and it's also super useful. Okay, this watch would be more useful for you now with all of these options if you were traveling, <laughs> right? Because you will go to a place, and you're like, oh, I'm in a different time zone. Oh, but it's not one that I track, and then you can just add it in. I only go to the West Coast. <laughs> like, it's the only place I travel to. I mean, mm. I, I, this watch face to me is just... It is the epitome of why watchOS is frustrating because Apple is not consistent in its own decision making. Like, and I get that, like, I, and I totally get and I actually respect that this is like a watch category. And I think like the mechanical watches, the way they work like in this type is fascinating. Like, that's awesome. But give me the option because I've got a computer on my wrist to say I don't necessarily want all all the time zones. I just want the time zones that I've selected, or I just want the cities that I've selected because most people, even though the art and history and like all that, all that is cool. Like I'm not discounting that, but on the Apple watch, I should be able to say, I don't want that. I want this other thing that is actually more useful to me. I have a secondary annoyance about the GMT face. Mm -hmm. You can have multiple colors, but only the ones Apple allows. Yes frustrating why can't i say i want this color and this color why do i have to choose from a billion color list but there are only colors that they've pre-chosen for me i totally agree with you turns out people like customization you know my like closing thoughts on watch os 7 is it's very rare that a new version of watch os changes the way that i use the apple watch or the way i interact with it and i feel like watch os 7 falls in that category like yeah, like there's some niceties, but none of it has really like radically changed how I feel or think about my watch. This episode of Connected is also brought to you by Riedel. Riedel is a maker of essential productivity apps, and they're always updating and improving their products. 150 million people have downloaded their apps, and what's cool is they're a self-funded company with about 200 people. They were there on day one of the App Store 12 years ago. And their apps are adding amazing widgets and other features for iOS 14. Documents is an app, super app for file actions, widgets for files and actions, picture-in-picture support on the iPhone, scribble support. And there's Spark, which is an email client for professionals like Mike, where a person and their team can work around an email message. Again, there's widgets for emails and calendar. You can see the most important emails or upcoming events right on your home screen with Spark, and you have an option soon to set it as the default email app on iOS 14, which is a great feature. I think you can do that now. I think that that I think that update went through. I've I've actually done it, so you can you can. I now have Spark as my default uh, application for email. They also make calendars, which is a beautiful and intuitive calendar app. Again, with widgets for events and tasks, Siri shortcut support. 
the option to create events with your voice and really fast search. So you said you set Spark as your as your default email. Uh, give me something that you love about Spark over Apple's built-in email app. So I, like many people, have to file receipts for my taxes, right? And the way that I do that is I have an, an application that my accountant makes me use where I upload the receipts to. And I can do this with a shortcut. So I have a PDF and then I can just buy a shortcut, put it in a Dropbox folder, which this application pulls stuff from. But the way to, I need to do that is to create a PDF from an email. Now, if you use many email applications, you will have to go and maybe uh, go into a menu and select PDF or go into a menu and select print and then do the pinch to expand type thing. But Spark has two features that make this easy. One is a native action to turn an email into a PDF, which is a tap of a button. So you're looking at an email, you can just tap a button and it's right there. And also the every email has like a bar along the bottom with little actions like reply and archive and that stuff. But you can customize that. And I have added the PDF button to that bar. So I'm in an email and there's a button that says PDF. I tap it and then the share sheet just pops up. It's like, what do you want to do with it? And I just run my shortcut. Super easy. I love it for that. I do this multiple times a day and it is so much nicer than any of the other ways that I've ever tried to do my receipt stuff. So go check out Riedel's impressive collection of essential productivity apps at Riedel.com. That's R-E-A-D-D-L-E.com. And you can check out Spark's website at sparkmailapp.com. Our thanks to Riedel for the support of the show and all of Relay FM. So let's talk about widgets and home screens and all that fun stuff, because that's clearly, for multiple reasons, it's the big thing, especially for iPhone iOS, right? Like for iOS 14 on the iPhone, it's the big mm-hmm. thing. Um, and also has been the talk of the town because of the many applications that are allowing for widgets to be added in. Uh, obviously, um, we would be talking about Widgetsmith because we love underscore David Smith on this show and it's an app that we've all been using. So it was we, we have been meaning to talk about widgets for a while and just hadn't gotten to it. Um, we were going to talk about it before iOS. And uh, Widgetsmith was a thing that we were all, all going to talk about. Um, but then the entire world started talking about Widgetsmith anyway, uh, as it has gone just... We're, we're so lucky that we, we knew uh, Underscore before it was famous. Hopefully yeah. he can still talk to us. I wonder if our questions will have us. to go through his assistant now. He's the wor- world's most famous developer. <laughs> so, uh, right yeah. now... He might be. Yeah, honestly, I think he is. <laughs> like, I'm I not think kidding. Right now, like, <laughs> Dave might be one of the most famous developers in the world. I mean, his, his app is charting higher than TikTok on the App Store. So It's still uh, number one, you know. Still it's number been number one. one free app since Friday. Yeah. Unbelie- it's just unbelievable. But anyway, so there's been uh, lots of widget stuff. So um, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about widgets in general, um, how I'm feeling about them, and then maybe also talk about some of the ones that, that I've been using. Uh, my kind of widget strategy right now is is still in flux a little bit because there are applications that I'm confident will have widgets or I hope will have widgets, uh, and they don't yet. And I so I don't want to remove their icons from my home screen nor do I really want to tinker around with my home screen too much until I kind of feel like everything's in place. So what I mean by this is I'm using the Fantastical widget, right? But I still have Fantastical on my home screen, 
because I don't want to remove just that one application because that's not enough to add in, say, like a small widget. I need to remove like another three applications, which may be possible for me in the future, but not right now. You following? Right? Like I, mm-hmm. I don't want to start removing stuff until I feel like I've got all of the widgets in place that I want to be able to use. And then I will like completely blow away my home screen again. So as it stands right now, I have a um, four by four grid of applications on my main home screen with one uh, medium widget at the top, which I'm cycling between Fantastical and Carrot Weather as my widgets that live at the top there in a stack. Then I have a second page where I have uh, the Widgetsmith um, world timer-like thing, the, the the time zones thing, so I can see multiple time zones. I have the Widgetsmith pedometer, a Widgetsmith photo and album, and then two timery widgets. The timery widgets are still in beta, by the way. So that's kind of where I am right now. But like, I will want to use. Uh, I I want there to be a widget for OmniFocus, which I'm currently using as my task manager of choice. There isn't one right now, so I figure that will become a thing. Maybe I don't know. Maybe and then maybe some other applications. I'm I'm in I'm in flux. Are you guys following me? Like because mm-hmm. I feel like I we haven't yet seen all of the widgets that we could currently see. And so I don't want to completely obliterate my home screen until I kind of know I want those widgets, right? Because like, for example, a good, a good thing of this is like, oh, do I use do all the time, right? I use it every single day. They have widgets, but I don't want to use the do widget because the do widget shows me what's in uh, my list of stuff to do. But it turns out I don't need to see that information. Like, I don't need it. Like, I will just deal with you when it pops up to give me the notification. I don't need to see the list. So, like, this is the thing that I'm realizing is, like, just because you use an app multiple times a day doesn't mean you need to see its widget. And I might feel that way about OmniFocus, like, that I don't need to see any information from inside of OmniFocus. So, therefore, I may as well just keep the app icon and not replace it with a widget. So, I feel like I'm still uh, in a bit of limbo as to what I'm going to do with my home screen. But I'm pretty happy with where I've got it right now with, like, basically one complete home screen. But my second screen is just widgets, and they're ones that I'm using a lot. And then I have, like, just that one kind of medium bar at the top up um one thing that i have noticed is and and i started to feel this before and now i especially feel it because of all of the trends right now of really kind of customizing your widgets is i want developers to remember uh to leave some customization options available like even if you do light and dark mode for a widget let me choose don't make the decision for me i think that's a pretty important thing uh because i've seen this with some apps that i use that they just automatically assume that I want the dark widget because I use dark mode. I don't want apps to make that assumption for me. Like, let me let me choose. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's kind of where I am with it right now. Yeah, my, my home screen is in flux as well. Um, mostly, like, th- there's a bunch of different reasons. Um, one is I needed to try a lot of different widgets for my review. Um, you may have seen Todoist in my screenshots. And mm-hmm. the reason why I, I started using Todoist wasn't to make this big proclamation about the task manager that I'm using now. It's just that they had really, really, really good widgets and uh, they provided me with all the examples that I needed for my review. So I just started using it. Um, and also, like, I need to balance the fact that I'm supposed to be taking screenshots for my review. 
And I don't want to revolutionize the whole thing right now because I'm not yet done with the screenshots. But I'm thinking of like a bunch of different ideas. So for now, the setup that I have is I'm using the Today page still for things that are related to today or the time. So at the very top, there's a, one of the excellent fantastical widgets. They have this two-month uh, calendar widget that shows you mm. the current month and the next month in the same medium widget. It's really, really well done. So I have that at the very top. Then I have another fantastical widget that shows me uh, just a simple list of all my upcoming events. Just all, It's not up next. It's just a list of events that are coming up even if it's even if like the next one is in three days, um, mm-hmm. then I have uh, two small widgets next to each other. I have carrot weather for the basic daily forecast, and next to it I have a list of time zones from the World Clock uh, app. It's called World Clock uh, Widget, I think. Uh, I like it because it's colorful and it's very it's a very simple like list of cities, and the small widget fits for different cities so i can take a look at san francisco chicago new york and tokyo uh it's very easy very compact and at the very bottom i have the large widget for timery for all my saved timers which is really convenient on the home screen right now this is where i'm like my right now i'm uh, i'm using this approach of so was that what you were talking about was that a second screen that was my today page Oh, it's in your today page. Yeah. Okay. I always forget what that's called. Yeah, that I'm still using for this, like, um, to, things related to today or like events, time zones, that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I have in there like a similar. I think might be kind of similar to some widgets that I'm using, like like the Fantastical one, but the large one. Yeah. Right. So I don't yeah. have the large one on my home screen, but I've just put the large one in there because why not? My approach to home screen pages right now is to do this like categories of pages. So like the first one is like my dashboard in a way, and it's got like my my absolute must-haves. So at the very top, music stuff, I have the excellent um, Soar widgets. So Soar is an Apple Music client. They have a now playing widget, which is, which is really beautiful and well done. And they have a widget that is called the Magic Mixes, and it basically starts Soar um, into a Magic Mix. So Magic Mix is like smart playlists, which Apple hasn't done, but this indie developer did. And so it's a very easy way for me to instantly start shuffling either Oasis or Death Cab for Cutie or My Chemical Romance with just a single tap. And the best part is because it's an Apple Music client and it uses the system audio player, even if I start playing something in Soar, I can then later control it from the music app. So it's not like a custom player that uses its own thing. It uses the default player by Apple. So you can start playing music in Soar, but then you can manage music in, in, in Apple Music, which is really convenient. I assume it does open the Soar app when you tap it, though, right? It does. It does open the Soar app, yes. What, which, you know, no big deal because it's a beautiful app. So, And then on the home screen, I have Twitter, Instagram, WhatsApp messages, photos, and Fantastical. So like the absolute must-haves. And in the dock, I have the task manager, notes, safari, and shortcuts. So pretty us- usual stuff. And then I'm, I'm, con- I'm playing around with stacks on the home screen. So I stacked three different Apple notes in this, with a small widget. And in the bottom right corner, I stacked um, the today widget for Todoist. The current recording, uh, the, the current uh, timer from Timery. 
and the shortcut that opens a copied link in Safari View Controller, which is very nice because it opens a Safari view on the home screen. It doesn't actually open Safari. So anytime I have a copied link, I can just preview the link from the home screen, which is super awesome. And then all the other pages I'm not sure about, basically. Uh, like I have three pages before the app library, and I'm not sure about any of them. Right now, the second page is like more work-related stuff. So like there's uh, Apollo, Lear, which is my RSS client, IA Writer, Files, Slack. Aren't but they I'm, just like lost though? Like, are you ever going to those pages? This is my que <laughs> This is what I'm wondering right now. Like on the second page, work stuff. And then on the third page, like entertainment stuff with Twitch and YouTube. But I'm not sure, like, is this the best approach for me? Like, am, am I, I'm still not in the habit of going to those pages. You know what I mean? Like, because I don't see the icons, like, I, I'm fighting against 12, 13 years of muscle memory in that mm. the stuff that I use the most as an icon on my first home, home screen. But on the other hand, I also want to use widgets. <laughs> so, like, I still need to find that balance of how, how do I keep the convenience of icons but also take advantage of widgets. And I've seen all these custom creations right these amazing home screens that people are putting together and i think personally like i think it's a beautiful thing that people are customizing their their devices and they are using these clever workarounds with like shortcuts and custom icons and 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 widgets that blend into like wallpapers of the same color i think that's a beautiful thing people are taking control of their computers i'm all in favor for that but i thought i'm can i be one of those people do i want to put together this extremely custom layouts. Like I was looking at the stuff that Michael Flareup is doing with his custom home screen. He, he shared a YouTube video a couple of days ago on his Twitter account. And he put together these custom pages, right? With like the title of the page in the middle. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's really cool and I think it's really awesome. But then I started thinking like, knowing myself, am I the type of person who can accept the fact that I'm wasting a small widget slot for a tax label? <laughs> like, can I, Federico Vitici, be one of those people who's allotting a widget slot just to a string of text? Or do I want to have, like, more functional things in there? So, on a theoretical level, on a conceptual level, I appreciate these very custom home screens. On a practical level, because I know myself... I don't think I would be able to live with the idea that I'm quote-unquote wasting a widget space just to make it pretty. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's awesome that people are doing it, but I'm too much of a nerd to do it myself. Uh, I think where I land on this is, was not what I expected, is that the app library has given me some sort of freedom just to try a whole bunch of apps all of a sudden, because I can just download them. Like, Soar, you mentioned earlier, check that out. It's it is awesome. It's very nice. But I'm not committed to like putting it on my home screen. Or before I was a folder person. I was like, oh, I got to think what folder it goes in. The app library has sort of just let me deal with things. and Or should I say not deal with things. Yeah, see, this is just... funny. Because I feel like I'm losing apps now. <laughs> I download something and then just forget about it. 
I mean, that, there's some freedom in that too, I guess. Oh, that I has guess. become mm-hmm. a habit for me, going to the library and checking the recently added um, category. Mm. That I, I do all thing. the time now. Okay, I need to get used to doing that then. That I've gotten used to. It's the swiping to the other pages that I... I well, get rid to. of them, man. Liberate yourself. I'm, I only have application icons on one screen now. That's it. Otherwise, I'm searching for them anyway. Steven, I, do you have icons still on multiple pages? Yeah, so I'm down to two pages. Before, okay. I had two pages of apps, like primary apps, secondary apps, and the third page was folders. Uh, that third page just got turned into the app library. And so I've got two home screens with a f- uh, four by four grid of applications and a medium widget at the top, Fantastical, uh, which is new as of today. I was using a calendar and the Fantastical came out. Um, that and time zones in a stack, uh, time zones within Widgetsmith, and then the photos one on the second page. And then it's the app library. I like the simplicity. I like the today view being what I feel like is a much nicer place to be now because the widgets look nicer. And so I've got a bunch of stuff stacked up in the today view, including all of uh, three carrot weather widgets in a stack, shortcuts, to-doist activity, a whole bunch of stuff. And But what's what... What has struck me about all of this, and I didn't expect this, was it's like it's fun to fiddle with this stuff. Like I feel like for the oh, first time in years, uh, like everything on my phone is up for grabs, and that's kind of a fun feeling. It is fun. It is fun. I I um, spent should, should say wasted <laughs> like an hour last night what I was supposed to be editing, uh, just playing around with different layouts. Like I installed the black wallpaper and I started designing. Um, there's this application that the developer has been very active on Reddit and they have a, a test flight. It's called Widgie. And it's like, imagine, imagine Photoshop about for widgets. Like they let you design your own custom widgets uh, manually as if it was like a graphics editor like you can actually do multiple layers and control all the different blocks and it was oh a lo- it's amazing you, and it's surprisingly easy to use on a phone like they did a really excellent job with like placing text and changing the font and the color and like creating images like it's super well done but I realized a couple of things one this is a huge it can become a huge waste of time. And also, again, conceptually, I'm all in favor of designing my own things. But then I realized I'm a very bad designer. Like, I have no idea how to align text properly right. and how to make something pretty, which brings me back to the idea of, am I the type of person who can design their own widgets Am I bad enough of a designer that I'm better off just using widgets made by other people who actually know what they're doing? I, I have a feeling that all my widgets are going to end up being ugly, self-made creations. And it's like, mm. I'm, like, I wish there was, like, I would hire a person to design custom widgets for me. But it, I, I don't need, I, have the, I don't think I have the skills to make, it, to make them pretty myself. All right, I'm going to send you both a picture. Stephen, you can put this in the show notes if you want to, which is my second screen. Because I was thinking this. I was like, I was using Widgetsmith and all of my Widgetsmith widgets were just black because whatever. Like, it's like, I didn't even think about it. And then I was seeing all these people do these incredibly nice uh, things. And then when Dave added the custom color chooser, I was like, you know what? I'm going to make my Widgetsmith widgets thematically fit with my wallpaper. Mm. And I changed the fonts so they would be 
prettier looking. And like, this is the thing that I think that we can all do, right? Like you can customize the widgets that you have with the options that they have to make them more visually attractive, but you don't have to feel like you need to, I think, change up your entire thing. So you see what I mean? Like these, I, I think that the widgets that I have here, I think they look really nice. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, they do. And yeah, they do. I, I think part of the feeling that everything's up for grabs is like your second screen, you have no apps on, right? It's just, mm-hmm. it's just a, a O to dashboard, right? It's just mm-hmm. widgets. And mm-hmm. that's cool. And that's something that we as iPhone users have maybe wanted for a long time looking at Android people, but now we have it. And yeah, I think this looks I think this looks nice. And because it makes your phone or this like part of your phone its own like little world, right? Like if you need these things, this is where they live. They don't live with other things. They're just right here. And mm-hmm. that's pretty sweet. Oh, by the way, you may remember that I mentioned a while ago that I have an album of photos on my phone that are just super close up pictures of Adina. That is that album. <laughs> so if you're wondering why it's just a picture of somebody's forehead, it's because the album that I chose from the picture in album thing is just that album because I, it makes me laugh every single time I go to the second screen and see one of my ridiculously zoomed in photos. Um, I sent you a picture of Luigi. So you get the idea. That's too much. You get the idea of what I was doing, right? I wanted to have like this um, lar- bla- large black widget that would blend in with the black wallpaper, and that uh-huh. would have a bunch of like dynamic text and data. So like there was a now playing section, and there was the date, and there was an SF symbol uh, for the calendar, right? And to have like this custom presentation, but like uh, I realized. I have no idea what I'm doing here with different like font sizes and sizes and weights and alignment. I think people can with these kinds of like advanced utilities, like and I'm referring to. There's a bunch of apps like this. Uh, another one I think is called Widgeridoo. Uh, yeah, I like Didgeridoo. Um, <laughs> like that's a good name. Like good I, pl- name. I uh, yeah, I played around with it, and then I realized I have no idea what I'm doing. Like moving these yeah, different no. blocks around. It's yeah. I looked at that one. Uh, I think it was in your story. Yeah, it I was. saw it, and all of them were like. I see what you're going for, but this is not what I want, right? And so it's like what I've been happy about with what Dave has done is that the widgets themselves are relatively simple and then I can customize them. But it's not with me feeling like I'm doing web design on my iPhone. Exactly. But yeah, because David took care of the design for you and then you just customize the data and the presentation, which is like... It's very smart because you have these building blocks and you can just mix and match however you want, which I think is the right approach right now. And I will tell you, I mean, this is exactly why Widget Smith has gone viral because he did just the right amount. Yeah. I do think that in the future, though, there will, especially once widgets come to iPad, which I really don't understand why did... I'm guessing they just didn't have the time to make it happen on iPadOS easier. But I think in the future, for power users, so for people like us, for nerds, there is real potential for something like a what you see is what you get editor for widgets, for designing your widgets. Well, because all of those design tools make more sense on the iPad anyway, just because yes. there's a larger screen. Yes. Like, the, the, trying to like design something on my iPhone, it's just, the screen's it's just not, not big enough. Fun. Yeah. And also, the large screen, like the large widget size is perfect for the iPad. Like I'm barely going to use, I'll probably use one large widget on my iPhone, which is what I have in the Today View. I have one of the Fantastic Air ones. But outside of that, I just don't imagine myself using the large one, because the large one's just too big. But it won't be too big on my 13-inch iPad screen. Screen. 
So like I could imagine doing that, like having like a bunch of widgets that are pulling in a bunch of data. But for the iPhone, it's just it's just not right. One one last uh, thing. Um, if you're a developer and you have shortcuts actions for your apps, I think it's more important than ever right now to provide actions that allow you to take the data out of the app. I'm going to give you some examples. Um, something like Things and even Todoist, I think they only have shortcuts actions for creating tasks, right? They don't offer any actions to see to get the tasks out of the app. So like there's no action in Things to say in shortcuts show me the tasks that are due today, for example. Uh, you can do this with reminders, but you cannot do it with Todoist, you cannot do it with things, you can do it with OmniFocus. And I think this is going to be important because um, we are going to see these utilities that allow you to create widgets, like custom widgets, based on data extracted with shortcuts. Uh, again, this is a power user thing, but I think it'll become popular over time. This utility launched yesterday on the App Store, and I think there's more coming. It's called Widget Pack, and it lets you design your own widgets. Again, same idea. However, the twist is that you fill the widgets with data um, assembled via shortcuts. So if you're a developer and you don't offer actions to take the data out of your app, and make it available to shortcuts natively, that's going to be a problem if this is a category of utilities that takes off over time, especially for power users, right? Because my idea was, oh, it's going to be awesome. I, I can use Widget Pack to make my own Todoist widget, right? And I can take data out of Todoist and assemble my own widget. And the best part is I can design the widget with shortcuts, which is incredible. Like they actually have actions in Widget Pack to do things like um, create a stack and like lay out these things horizontally, like it's awesome. And then you can update the widget. And you can imagine, again, a power user thing, but because of automations now, you can update those widgets automatically because those widgets are actually made with shortcuts, right? But those apps, if they don't offer actions to extract data, then it's kind of useless. So if you're a developer and you have shortcuts integration, think about your integration the other way around as well. Not just how do I let the user input data into my app using shortcuts, but how do I let the user take data out of my app and present it in shortcuts. And I think especially with custom widgets and with compact UI, right, in that you can use shortcuts on the home screen, I think it's super important that the other way around is also true here. It's not just about using shortcuts to enter data. It can be useful to take data out and present it as well. So let's talk about the aesthetics of all of this. Uh, Widgetsmith and other apps have unlocked this great potential to customize your home screen. Shortcuts is added to that, being able to swap out all of your app icons, and I think Apple should make that easier and better. Maybe we can talk about what we think Apple should do here. But uh, there are a couple of things that are interesting about this to me. One, that a lot of us sort of in the nerdy community are surprised at how far some people have pushed this system, and honestly how amazing some of these setups are that people have done. I think all of us, um, you know, looked at Widget Smith and these other things as utility and other people see them as 
creative tools. And I think that's not only fascinating, but very cool. I think it shows that people have wanted to do this for a really long time. And now Apple has done it and the dam is broken and like people are just doing it in a big way. It really makes me want Apple to just let us do watch faces on the Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. Like uh, that feels so frustrating that it's still so locked down. But I, I said it before. I think this is a beautiful thing, uh, letting people take control of their devices. And also, like I feel like the the backlash from some people that I've seen on Twitter um, saying, "Oh, Apple lost its mind. This is bad for their brand. Why are these? Why are people doing these ugly things?" Um, I think it's pretty silly because all of this is optional, right? You you don't have to do this. Like you can't just take an iPhone and use whatever default design Apple chose for you and just use native Apple widgets. And that's fine. But now you have the option, if you want to tinker and if you want to play around with it, to customize your own thing. And I think customization as an idea in general, it, it's a beautiful thing to do. To, to personalize uh, a computer, an object. Uh, for example, look at Mike and his iPad with, with stickers, right? Uh, to, to accessorize in real life because you really care about the way that you're dressed. I think it's a beautiful thing to take control of the appearance of yourself or the things that you use and to make them your own. Um, and I feel like, uh, like honestly, life is too short to get upset about people <laughs> customizing computers in fun and colorful and different ways and calling them out because they do, they do so. It's just, why? What's the point? You're not, you're not Dieter Rams. You, you, you cannot criticize, you know, these high-level design ideas. Like, you're a nobody. You're just making fun of people for no reason, just to be controversial on Twitter. So, um, I think it's beautiful. I want to see more of this. I think it's... Um, we're going to feature this wild... Mike, you will not be disappointed by the home screen that we're going to feature in Mac Stories Weekly this Friday. It's, gonna, it's video game themed. And if we can Ooh. make it happen, it's going to be amazing. John found it. So I really hope that we can make it happen. Uh, but I think this is beautiful. I think Apple should pay attention. I don't think they are compromising on the purity, if you will, of their vision. Because all of this is optional. You're just giving people the tools to use a computer like a computer. And it's a beautiful thing. And if anything, the Shortcuts team should be paying attention. And they should go to Craig and say, look, you really got us. You you really need to let us install custom icons for real. Uh, Because right now, if you install a custom icon, it still launches Shortcuts. Um, as a as sort of like the middleman, right between the home screen and the app that you want to launch, um, the uh, what's what's also and this is the the last thing I'll say. What's kind of funny and sad at the same time is that all these people making fun of others uh, in a useless way, they seem to have a short memory because the Mac, the platform that they so very much are in love with, has a rich and long history of visual. And, and UI customization. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at you look at things like Candy Bar, right? Uh, the work that the Icon Factory used to do in the '90s and the early 2000s. Uh, the Mac has a long history and tradition of custom app icons, custom themes. You know, I'm I'm. You may be surprised to hear this, but I'm from the generation who grew up on Mac themes, uh, looking at custom um, UI themes for Mac OS X. 
And I got to know so many people on those forums. It was incredible. So to have some of that um, tradition come back in a modern and different way on iOS, I think it's amazing. And I think exposing more, more people to shortcuts and to widgets and to indie developers like Dave, what's not to love about all of this happening right now? I don't get it. Not only is the Mac have that that UI history, both in classic Mac OS and uh, Mac OS X, but if you go back even further than that, like the brand of home computer you bought in the 80s or 90s, like that itself was a statement about who you were, right? Like there's a reason that Mac users in that time banded together, right? And they thought that they were in like this weird, cool club. And I agree, like I think that was great. And and that's like, that's one side of it. Uh, the other side of it, which as much as I disagree with what we just spoke about, like it's wild to like be upset that someone else did something with their own device <laughs> is the idea that it's bad for Apple. Like oh. if <laughs> A, Apple's brand is boring and I think it could use a lot of this color and personality that we're seeing. Uh-huh. Uh, but two, if people take the time and customize their iPhones, they're only going to love them more and they're only going to want to be more likely to replace it with another iPhone next time they upgrade, mm-hmm. right? That's only good for Apple. Apple wants and needs its users to love their devices and to make them their own. I think that's why we saw things like that MacBook Air commercial a few years ago was like all the stickers on the MacBook Airs. Like Apple's trying to tap into this. Mm-hmm. Now, whether or not they foresaw how far it's gone, I don't know. Probably they they may have. No one no one knew this was going to happen. I don't right? know. Like, I, I think I think they may have had maybe some idea, may, but maybe. I don't know. Maybe. It doesn't really matter because this doesn't matter from Apple's brain perspective. It's like, oh no, like Apple's losing the, like their design focus. Like, no, they're giving tools to the people to make their own stuff, and nothing is more Apple than that. Nothing. Yeah. And I don't know. I just it's a tired argument. And the only reason like we brought it up here, uh, and I wrote a thing about it this morning, it's in the show notes, but like the only reason we're talking about this is because we've seen some of it, and it's like, you know, like they're that's just a silly complaint. And just because like I want to be more utility focused on my home screen, like doesn't in any way minimize if someone wants to take the time and make a really themed home screen, right? And if you search like iOS 14 home screen on Twitter, or if you look on Reddit or Instagram or any social media, like some people, like they're spending real time making amazing things. And just because... I don't want to take that time or it doesn't really jive with how I use my device doesn't mean that it's not valid. Yeah, very well spoken. I think creativity is always beautiful in all its shapes and forms. And in this case, it's it's like people are doing these cool things with icons and, and wallpapers and colors and widgets. It just, whenever I see someone, no matter if they are more proficient at using iOS devices or iPads than me or not, but they're doing something cool with it. I'm fascinated by it. And I think if you I think it's kind of sad, honestly, that the people don't see the beauty of that. Right? Of like a teenager coming up with a theme for their iPhone <laughs> that they spent like hours designing. Like I see people designing their own icons. I think it's mm-hmm. incredible. I think it's I think it's beautiful. And if you don't see why that's beautiful, I feel sorry for you. I I really hope that, that Apple do something sooner than iOS 15 to just allow for the shortcuts app to, to do something that allows people to just throw them straight to the application. Mm-hmm. 
you know, because I just think that that would be really taking advantage of something that that people want right now. Mm-hmm. They don't have to go so far as to have custom icon packs. Like Apple's already done enough by allowing yeah. you to set it up that way. Like millions of people are doing it with shortcuts. It's actually not that hard to do. It's a lot of steps, but it's not hard to do, and it works in the system already. I think one of my favorite things about this is that. People are getting frustrated about like, oh, it looks ugly or whatever. When there are many, many people who are creating like things that they know aren't good looking. And that's kind of the point. Mm -hmm. And like that is like a genuine, that's like a a part of the aesthetic, right? Like that that might be what you're going for of like a, it's ironic. And I think that's kind of fantastic really in and of itself. Like you see these, these like the Windows 95 one that went around. The person that made that, they're not like, oh, man, the Windows 95 aesthetic is exactly what I'm looking for on my phone. But it's just like, this is funny to me and interesting to me. And I just want to see if I can make it happen. And LOL, it looks amazing. You yeah. know? They're not doing it because it's like, this is my dream aesthetic. Maybe it is. Maybe you're super into Windows 95. And that's fine, too. Totally fine. I mean, maybe. So anyways, don't don't shame people for their home screens. Embrace the change. And... Uh, just to wrap this up, can we just all like laugh at iPad OS for not doing this? Like that section of my review is going to be fun. <laughs> I wrote it months ago and I stand by every word of it. So Yeah. Having those widgets locked to the side is bad. No app library is bad. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the deal is with that. I mean, I've shared this theory before that part of, I don't really believe this, but part of me thinks like maybe they just leave low-hanging fruit. So like when they announce 15, everyone's like, oh yeah, widgets anywhere. I'm sure it was a resources issue. Yeah, I kind of don't care about the app library, but the widgets thing no, is man, just a failure. No, man, I want it's it. Just a I want to banish all folders. No, I'm not saying I don't want it, but like comparing those two things, right? Like the no widgets on the, the home screen for the iPad was a wild decision they made when you could actually make the argument that it's more useful on an iPad screen than an iPhone screen. Yeah, so. someone in the Discord uh, mini message ago was like, it'd be great to have an iPad mini and set it up as like a, a virtual dashboard. Like you can just see all this data coming in all the time, like stick it on the wall. Status board, baby. That would be awesome to see that sort of utility. Mm-hmm. Like the iPad is just the perfect device for it and they've just left it on the table. I think that does it. If you want to find links to the stories we spoke about, things we covered, go to relay.fm slash connected slash 313. While you're there, there's some fun activities you can take part in. You can send us an email with feedback or follow-up. You can join and get Connected Pro each week, which is an ad-free, longer version of the show, which is a lot of fun. You should also go to stjude.org slash relay and donate. We are raising money through the end of the month. Thank you so much to everyone who has already participated. Uh, If you haven't, you still have a few days to do that. I'd encourage you to go check that out. If you want to find us online, uh, we're easy to find. Federico is on Twitter as Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and he's the editor-in-chief of Mac Stories. Net. Federico, what was the name of your first pet? Oh, this is a long story. <laughs> this is oh, a, God. This is a very... I can tell you the name. It means nothing. But I, well, I don't have time for the full story. The name was Bob Udall. Um, <laughs> remind Wait, me... This, yes. <laughs> follow up. Follow Steven up. Steven put it in follow ne- up. This is the next pre-show. Oh, uh, yeah. Go to connectedpro.co and you'll find out on our next pre-show why Federico's first pet was called Bob Udall. Doll? Is that what you said? <laughs> yes. All right. Okay. I'm yeah. very curious about that. <laughs> you can find Mike on 
Twitter as I-M-Y-K-E. Mike is the host of a bunch of podcasts. Mike, what is the most recent podcast you've listened to? Uh, the Stratechery Daily Update. Oh, me too. I just finished a little mm-hmm. while ago. We're the same. Mm-hmm. You can find me on Twitter as ISMH and my writing over at 512pixels.net. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Ahrefs, Storyworth, and Riedel. Until next time, guys, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Bye, y'all.